my exchange. Oh, yeah, I did because I tagged you in it. I was like, I think the big guy was on the rock station in studio today. And Joey Begovdenuts was like, yeah, that was him. I was like, oh, my God. What? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, Billy Gardell was uh, actually in studio for the morning show. Uh, on, wow. On Friday. Yeah. And I, No, no. I don't remember when it was because I'm never in the car. And that's the only time I listen to the morning radio around here. And, yeah, and I heard that and I was like. It, it can't be. It can't be. <laughs> but uh, I was, I mean, that statement was accurate when I was like, the big guy that's always on rock stations. Not only Rocket, but also down here. Uh, I guess everywhere. He probably just goes to all the rock stations. All right, should we get going? Uh, yeah, might as well. I, I'm probably going to clip a lot of that because oh, of course, it's not yeah. interesting for a lot of people. But no, hey, no. that's that's what our uh, future Patreon is for. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Yeah, I, I was. Yeah, I I had just started recording, but one, the one the only thing I'd keep is that Billy Gardell was on a rock station up here, and that that's we'll do I, it. Yeah, yep, that's the only thing I would keep. <laughs> um, or you could, or we could use that to tease the Patreon. It's like you won't believe what big guy Murphy heard on the radio <laughs> on the rock station. You won't, you won't believe what recurring personality showed up for the morning show again. Yeah, you gotta pay, pay up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, welcome to No Hugging, No Learning. It's a show about one thing, watching Seinfeld for the first time. I'm Tim Murphy. And I'm Seth Hollowell. And today we will be talking about The Muffin Tops, Season 8, Episode 21. We're nearing the end. Uh, but before that, what's the deal with stuff from our last episode, <laughs> The Millennium? You make that sound so ominous. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Ted and I are nearing the end. No, well, remember, we no. said that like we're counting up. We were counting up to your birth, and then when the podcast ends, like that's somehow going to be my death date. Oh shit! Remember? I forgot about that. I mean, you are <laughs> you are already employed, so you've uh, got that going for you. I don't. <laughs> or know. You're, yeah. you're you're unemployed. I mean, yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. So what? Is, so this isn't Damn. actually from the last episode, the Millennium. This was from two episodes ago, the uh, yada yada, and we put up the poll on Twitter. Did Marcy bang her ex? And resoundingly, the eighty-eight percent of the vote was giddy up, and only thirteen percent voted no way, baby. And this is according to Twitter. And yes, that means that a hundred and one percent chimed in. <laughs> we got well, more votes than there are population uh, on Earth. <laughs> I I do actually have uh, a vote from one person who does not have Twitter, but heard us talking about this. I don't know how she heard us talking about this because the episode of us talking about it comes out today, right? Or maybe she saw it on Twitter, but she doesn't have Twitter. Well, the yada yada came out two weeks ago, I guess. Oh yeah, that's right. But we didn't talk about doing a poll. Well, I did talk about doing a poll, but then I we couldn't put it up because the episode wouldn't have been oh, out. Oh, that's right. So we that's couldn't right. talk yeah. about the results until, yeah. It's like the the, the David Cross pre-recorded talk show. <laughs> um, well, uh, regardless, Kat voted, uh-huh. uh, our buddy Kat, voted that she did bang her ex. Yeah. So that makes it, I think, 90 to 10. 90% yeah. to 10%. That sounds about right. Yeah, so I, or 11%, whichever. Because <laughs> I still Something want 101% like of the vote. <laughs> 90% to 11%. You got it. Yeah. So, yeah, and the only evidence, I wish the No Way Babies would have chimed in and said, here's why I don't think she banged her ex, is that George was so cool with it. He was like, well, don't let it happen again. You know, I was like, well. <laughs> Yeah. What? Why not just say, all right, it's over? Like, if that's what you're going to, you know. But he stayed with her until the wedding. Like, the only reason they broke up is because she went to jail. <laughs> <laughs> like so, They, they would have stayed together forever, probably. Yeah, Maybe. probably. 
And maybe I guess George is just that kind of guy. Like, I guess I can understand that, too, is like, well, what am I going to do? You know, when George always has that sort of like hopeless demeanor of like, I'm never going to meet anybody else. I, I have to hold on to whatever I have right now or else everything's <laughs> going to slip through my fingers, you know, so... I let the woman get away with whatever she wants to do. Yeah, I guess I guess maybe that's that explains away the evidence that George is so cool with it because, you know, it's like you talked about before, women are Godzilla and I'm 10,000 screaming Japanese or something like that. Do you remember that <laughs> quote? Yeah. Yeah, I, I think it was kind of in the context of like letting women do whatever they want. So yeah, George is just—is um, that a simp move, Ted? Like letting a woman? Uh, yes, one hundred percent. Yeah, so George is just being a simp, I guess. Uh, so thanks for chiming in on that poll. Uh, now to actual stuff from the episode, the Millennium. We want to do a little dive on Lauren Graham, and uh, I kind of said, I was like, I, I would hesitate to say this was a cameo. My guess is this is just going to be an acting gig, and uh, yeah, Lauren Graham, best known for her roles as Lorelai Gilmore on Gilmore Girls from 2000 to 07, so we were still three years away from uh, that uh, enormous success, and then of course Whoa. the reboot in 2016. Uh, and she received nominations for uh, the SAG Award, the Golden Globe, and the Satellite Awards for that role. And she was Sarah Braverman on the NBC television drama Parenthood, which ran from 2010 to 2015. So between 96 and 97, she was on, she was a guest star on a, a ton of NBC shows. Like she was, you know, a featured player. Uh, she was a graduate student who caught the eye of John Lithgow's character Dick on Third Rock from the Sun. She was Richard's overly optimistic girlfriend on Caroline in the City, and, of course, uh, this episode of Seinfeld. She played a Hollywood producer who had a love interest in Detective Ray Curtis on Law & Order. She also portrayed an antagonizing but friendship-starved efficacy expert on news radio. Oh, so okay. Just, yeah. Jeez. Just, like, was in NBC's stable of speaking extras. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Like, one-time, <laughs> one, one-episode uh, actors. Uh, but in addition to that, she starred in four failed sitcoms including Townies with Molly Ringwald and Jenna Elfman, uh, the short-lived sitcom Lush Life with Lori Petty and Karen Parsons, who was Hillary from Fresh Prince, uh, if you don't recognize that name, and MYOB, four episodes of which out of eight were burned off by NBC in the summer months before the premiere of Gilmore Girls. Wow. And almost nobody famous. Lauren Graham's like the only person of any (laughs) note that was a part, really a star of MYOB, although her... Former news radio co-star Andy Dick was uh, a recurring character in in the that show. <laughs> it's so weird. W- were these all NBC? I think so. Yeah, that's so weird that they would give Lauren Graham so many <laughs> different projects before ultimately one of them panned out. But like it, nowadays, you'll see a person like I, I mean. You're not going to have one person show up on the same network constantly. Right. Uh, but you'll do, like, a, a pilot. Maybe that fails. A couple years later, you'll do a, a pilot for another network or something. Yeah. But holy shit, four? <laughs> you said four failed shows yeah, four or three failed. and then Gilmore? Four. It says four, but I think, let me see, Townies, Lush Life, and MYOB. So it, it doesn't list what the fourth failed sitcom okay. was. It only lists okay. those three because I guess they... But yeah, yeah. four and then Gilmore. <laughs> Holy yeah. shit. In which Gilmore Girls was on like the CW or something, right? It wasn't even on NBC. I'm right uh, about that, right? I, th- I think you're right. Or maybe I think it was, it was even, the CW. Yeah, or maybe it was even like... It wasn't the 
the WB back then, was it? It may have started as the WB. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Because I think the WB ended in... When did Gilmore start? It was. So Gilmore Girls started in 2000, and so it was on the WB for seasons one through six, and then it was on uh, the CW for the the last uh, actual season. I I was going to say, the the WB ended in like 06 or 07. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, The WB, and it, it merged with UPN. That was the other like fledgling kind of like fourth tier network right Were mm-hmm. those the two yeah that, yeah. yeah upn and, yeah so so my ruling is not a cameo as i suspected she's just a, a she was just a solidly working actress a consistently working actress uh, in the mid 90s so uh there you go Here, here's something interesting i found though her stepmother who by the way has a i guess jerry must have said it she's credited as mrs hamilton jerry must have said it in that scene where he's like mrs hamilton i'm not very comfortable with this or whatever I, I, I was trying to figure out where we learned her name because i just kept calling her the stepmom <laughs> but her name is luann gideon and she was uh, an american actress best known for her role in, from 94 to 98 as as antagonist danielle atron in nickelodeon's the secret world of alex mack which i think Whoa. yeah <laughs> which i think we referenced uh, pretty recently i think so yeah <laughs> I, I don't remember how we got on to talking about like 90s Nickelodeon shows. I want to say it was Melody yeah, was... Taylor. Is that her name? Melody Taylor. Yeah. yeah. We were uh, talking about Christine, hey Taylor. Christine Taylor. Christine there Taylor. Taylor. She played yeah. Melody. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. That was only like two months ago. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> uh, she also, this is, I kind of recognize her from this. She played Mrs. Belding in Saved by the Bell, the one time we saw huh. Mr. Belding's wife in the Earthquake episode uh, in 92. She did reprise the role for a new class episode as well in 1995. Uh, in 2006, she left L.A. for the Blue Ridge Mountains of Asheville, North Carolina. Beautiful city. I've been there. More breweries per capita than uh, anywhere Jesus. in the nation. And <laughs> she was like, she wrote and she was a stage actress. She was diagnosed with breast cancer and beat it in 09 in 2011 she married her longtime partner veteran entertainment executive walt borschers and the ceremony took place in lake como italy and was presided over by her close friend brian cranston whoa i know (laughs) tim watley tim watley presided over the wedding of valerie's mom (laughs) i wonder if it was jewish or if it was uh, catholic you know from from before uh her, but get this, her cancer returned in late 2013, and she passed away uh, in 2014 at age 58. Yeah. Man. Here's something else really weird. Luann Gideon is actually a year younger than Jerry Seinfeld IRL. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> so we... Well, I mean, that definitely tracks for uh, Jerry and the, <laughs> the women that he has been in relationships exactly, with. Exactly. Exactly. You know, it's, it's e- funny, though, because she looked, she looked so much older, and... Valerie didn't look that much younger than Jerry, but, um, you know, so Mrs. Hamilton's prepared, portrayed to be the stepmother who appears to be like 20 or 30 years older than Valerie, even though the actress is younger than Jerry, the actor. However, it's possible that Valerie is supposed to be significantly younger than Jerry, in, uh, which is in character for him, like you said, and also possible that Valerie has a young stepmother since she didn't actually give birth to her. Luann, just to finish out the math, is 12 years older than Lauren Graham. Okay. Or okay. was at the time, you know, was when, when she was Yeah, around. yeah. Uh, so one year younger than Jerry, 12 years older than her stepdaughter. <laughs> we want to know about the term. Jerry notices that he's back to number one, or he is number one on the speed dial after a particularly good date. And he goes, Seinfeld, you magnificent bastard. Uh, that term was first used in the movie Patton by General Patton in reference to Erwin Rommel. 
the U.S. general has uh, spent weeks studying the writing of his German adversary, Field Marshal Rommel, Rommel, and is crushing him in an epic tank battle in Tunisia. And Patton, sensing victory as he peers into the battlefield from his command post, growls, Rommel, you magnificent bastard! I read your book! So it's, it's no, and no one, um, you know, no one's corroborated that Patton actually said that. It's just something from uh, a movie. So that's where it's from. Just a movie okay. quote that, yeah, right. neither of us had ever seen. <laughs> okay, this, this is probably, I did probably, I don't know, maybe like an hour's worth of research on this next little bit. It's not that oh, long, God. but it fascinated me to no end. Because we were like, all right, Newman started planning his party in 1978, he said. He booked the revolving <laughs> restaurant over New York City, over Times Square, and he booked Christopher Cross in 1978. So, as far as I can tell, the only revolving restaurant to ever be in New York City is called The View, and it's located in the New York Marriott Marquis, which we've, which has also been a uh, Seinfeld uh, location in the Chaperone. That's where Miss Rhode Island is staying at the beginning of season six. Uh, it's in the mm-hmm. Scoff Law. That's where Jake Jarmel has a press conference about his book, gets in another fight about his glasses, and the Jimmy. It, the Marriott Marquis is where they hosted the able, mentally challenged adults benefit with Mel Torme singing to Kramer, who he presumed to be mentally challenged. And it also has uh, the Marriott Marquis not only has the only revolving restaurant in New York City, but also the city's largest ballroom at 29,000 square feet. Holy I shit. No. <laughs> yeah, that's insane. 29,000 square feet of Manhattan real estate just just sitting there empty. <laughs> Just fill it with chairs and tables. Holy hell. (laughs) Uh, It's at, so it's at 1535 Broadway, right there at the corner. I mean, that is Times Square. It's like Broadway, 45th and 7th Avenue. Like, that's where those roads cross, and that's where, um, and the restaurant's on the 47th and 48th floors. Now, get this. The hotel opened in 1985. There was no revolving restaurant in New York City in 1978. Oh, my God. But... The New York Marriott Marquis project was announced in 1972, and then oh. and the hotel set to open in 77. Now the the project was postponed after a fiscal crisis in 75, but site clearing did start in 1982. They actually had to tear down a bunch of uh, historical theaters, and and actually went all the way to the Supreme Court. They had to go all the way to the Supreme Court to get permission to like destroy these um, these Broadway Jesus. theaters. Yeah, but um, <laughs> so. Newman was either like super prescient and was like, you know, six years after the hotel, you know, or a year after it was set to open, but but three years after it was delayed, like, who would he call? Would he, I guess he could call Marriott. Actually, I think it was Weston that was building it at the time, but he could call, I mean, could he have called somebody and said, hey, when this restaurant is complete, I want to book it for, for 21 years from years. right now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I, it's, it's possible. It's very possible. Uh, because oh, of you know wow. he had six years to think about it when they when they said it was opening. So, um, <laughs> and I'm not saying Newman wanted a view of this, but on the website they state the view is perched well above Times Square. There is no view of the ball drop or Times Square street level from the view. I think because it's so <laughs> high, you can only yeah. look out on the the cityscape on the you'd have horizon. to look straight down i'm assuming yeah and and i just don't think where the where the thing is located you can even you know look down and, and see that so because just because of where the angles are so yeah. you, newman is not going to be able to see the ball even drop there um the hotel does offer rooms with a ball drop view but uh, it's just it's just so far up that, that you can't you know see what's going on or you can't even see it from that angle um it rotates 360 degrees every hour 
And uh, the menu is a three-course prefix dinner at $92 per person, which, you know, for you got the view, you got, you know, it's probably pretty good food. I guess it's not so bad for New York City. Yeah, I'm wondering why you would get a hotel room with a ball drop view and not go out on the street and watch the ball drop. Yeah, I mean, normally it's it can be like negative 90 degrees on New Year's <laughs> Day. You know, like I, I know they've been out there and they're like, it's it's unbelievably cold, you know. But then again, it could I, be I like I guess 15. like being being there in the hotel, you're still getting the same experience. I, yeah. I guess it's like going to a concert and standing in VIP. Yeah. I mean, is your is your experience different? Is your experience less than because you're not getting bumped into by Chad, who's yeah. uh, double fisting PBRs? Or being forced to talk to Jenny McCarthy, potentially. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, that's the that's way I look at it. it. It'd be like having a suite at a sporting event or the Super Bowl or something. It's like, yeah, we're pretty far hmm. away. There's, okay. a glass, there's a glass window right here, but you know what? I don't have to pee. In, a, in an adult diaper because I've been here since 10 a.m., you know, yeah, or whatever You know, <laughs> I, I'm the one who brought it up thinking it was a bad idea. I'm already 180 on it. I, yeah, I, mean, I think that's definitely the way to go. I, I'm guessing a room with a ball drop view, though, is probably $1,000 for the night if you're staying December 31st. Yes, and you cannot just stay one night, and you can't just check in on the 31st. <laughs> they they require a three-night <laughs> three minimum stay in one of those rooms. <laughs> I think maybe uh, the whole hotel is like that for New Year's. They're like three-night minimum stay, and you can't <laughs> check in on the 31st. You have to stay at least from the 30th wow. to the 2nd, and, and then they'll start talking to you. Um, yeah, but they, they have suites, and so, yeah, if you want, you know, rent one of those, and you have, I don't know, in my case, 30 friends that want to stay in New York City in, in one <laughs> hotel room to help pay for it, then... Yeah, absolutely could be a pretty, be a pretty good uh, how, time <laughs> how, how many adults two yeah two are you sure there's a bunch of people behind you two just two they're uh yeah they're helping I'm, me i'm it's two adults but i i tell you i'm i'm so clumsy and forgetful can i get 20 copies of my key <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> And can we get um twenty bed, twenty extra beds up here too? I <laughs> think we could fit twenty uh, trundle beds. Can I get beds? twenty cots and yeah. uh, and twenty extra pillows, please? I, I just I I like to be <laughs> snuggled up like a little cinnamon bun. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I want to give props to interestingamerica.com for a lot of this info. They have a, a very extensive uh, article about revolving restaurants in general, but specifically regarding this, the view. Uh, and it was it was very long, and that's I got a, I gleaned a lot of info from that and the Wikipedia article, of course. But I just found it very, as I said, prescient, very um, uh, you know, future telling of Newman to go. Yeah, that's the. I know it's not even open yet. It's not even they haven't even broken ground. But I'm gonna <laughs> book that. So here's another instance. The what's the other thing that's going to be at Newman's? The Newmanium party. Christopher Cross. He booked the restaurant that had not been built yet that was uh, years away from even breaking ground in 1978 he also booked Christopher Cross Christopher Charles Geppert is his real name I always wondered about that because I'm like I wouldn't put it past parents with the last name Cross to go hey let's name our kid Chris Cross wouldn't that be funny Ah. Uh, and and I've always (laughs) found it kind of annoying that he goes by Christopher Cross because I'm like dude you're Chris Cross that's so unless that's your real name which I always suspected because why would you change your name to that But Chris Geppert, I guess. It would have been very close to Chris Getter, Ge- Gethard. Chris Geppert and Chris Gethard are, uh, would have been yeah, very close. Yeah, you're right. So he might have had to shoot, uh, you know, he might have had to be the Christopher Cross. Uh, he's still alive. He's 70 years old. And Chris Cross played, first played with a San Antonio based cover band named Flash before signing a solo contract with Warner Brothers in 
Guess when, Ted? 1976? <laughs> 1978. Oh, okay. <laughs> so he signed his he signed his contract the year <laughs> that Newman booked him. That's when he signed oh, the major label. Oh, my so, God. Okay. Okay. Again, I was getting the year wrong. That might have been news. Like, it might have been, oh, Warner Brothers signs a new guy. <laughs> his debut album, which was gigantic, he won five Grammy Awards. I mean, you know, they, they always have those pictures of, like, the people who, who just sweep, like, Billie Eilish and Lauryn Hill. Christopher Cross has those photos out there where he won, like, album, song, he won like the big four oh and, and an extra God. one. Uh, his debut album was released in 1979, regarded now as a key release of yacht rock music. And, and I can't Hell disagree yeah. with that. Yeah. The single <laughs> Sailing, Arthur's Theme, The Best That You Can Do, which is referenced by Kramer when he tells Newman that he's stuck between the moon and New York City. Uh, those both peaked at number one on the Hot 100. Sailing earned three Grammys in 1981, while Arthur's Theme won the Oscar for Best Original Song in 81. So he's halfway to an EGOT. We just need uh, to write the Christopher Cross Broadway musical and then make a TV miniseries uh, <laughs> edition, you know, TV version of it, and we can get Criss Cross and EGOT. Let's do it. Um, <laughs> and uh, Cross is, interestingly enough, a long-haul COVID survivor uh, just from oh, last wow. year. Oh, wow. Yeah. Get this. He lost the use of his legs when COVID triggered Gillian Barr syndrome. And I don't know if he has fully recovered yet, but he was expected to. But uh, I found that interesting. And uh, this is uh, interesting, too. In his lifetime, Christopher Cross is the only person who has looked like both members of Tenacious D. <laughs> if you look him up. <laughs> just do a quick... I'll let you do a quick uh, Google image search for Christopher Cross to oh, catch God up on. God damn it. <laughs> okay. This is Because I think happening. you'll enjoy this the most. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, for what I'm looking at, I see Kyle and uh, just in the first three photos, I see Kyle Jesus and Jesus Christ! <laughs> Isn't that amazing? How? <laughs> how? I yeah, know. he. Uh, I I'm stumped. <laughs> I am stumped. Yeah, so especially yeah, at the currently he had <laughs> the little currently he looks like Cage. Yep. But yeah. oh my god, in '81 he looks like Jack Black. Yeah, there's Jay. This is insane. Jables at the Grammys. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, th- just once again, another case of somehow <laughs> Newman knowing that there was going to be a popular restaurant in New York in 99 that revolved, and also that Christopher Cross was still going to be a big name. Well, I don't know if he was still a big name in 99. Obviously, the, the 80s was his heyday. But for sure, if, if, you just, if your friend booked Christopher Cross, you'd be like, holy shit. What? <laughs> you know, for the Millennium Party, you'd be amazed and like, yeah, I I signed him uh the day he signed with Warner Brothers too. He signed Warner Brothers contract and then he signed the <laughs> Newmanium contract. <laughs> Holy so, hell. It's it's highly unlikely, but it's entirely possible that uh that he was able to, you know, the, the dates don't exactly match up, but that's, it's possible. Hey, that that's what we were looking for is, yeah. is, was this possible to do? And we got our answer. That's awesome. Yeah. And if any, like one of the things I was thinking, I was like, no way Newman could afford Christopher Cross in 78. But yeah, he could. He wasn't a commodity yet. He could have signed like <laughs> a really, it's like when like uh, uh, the Mississippi State Fair was actually really good at this. They would sign like a country art, like it was normally their country bands. They would, they would like say six months before the State Fair. Uh, they would say, "Hey, we're gonna have um, who? Oh, the band Perry." It was like, "Oh, who the hell is that?" You know. And then yeah. all of a sudden, the band Perry would be huge, and their concert would like need to be moved somewhere because they were all, like. So they they did that like two or three times with country stars. They were like, 
six months before they hit it big, they announced that yeah. they were playing, and then yeah. and th- th- and you still have to like you got to show up. You signed a contract, even though like you might be playing <laughs> Madison Square Garden the day before. You got to play the Mississippi State Fair the next day. Well, that Erie has done that a couple of times. I, I mean, they signed Dan and Shay to yes. play Celebrate Erie <laughs> right before they released uh whatever that fucking song. Yeah, whatever was, their first as a big single. One was. Yeah, yeah, and then. <laughs> As they're taking the stage uh, at Celebrate Erie, it's hitting number one yeah. on like <laughs> the country and and crossing over number one in the country, and they're playing fucking Erie, Pennsylvania. <laughs> yeah, the middle of the for street. free for, yeah, for free. free a free concert. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that kind of thing. So that's that's what Newman did. Just like twenty years. So Christopher Cross had like the peak of his career, and then the valley would be the Newmanium. <laughs> The new Manium party. Like, man, okay, I guess I got to play. At least it's a gig, you know? Um, the other thing I wanted to know, because I noticed in one scene, it looked like they didn't hide a bump too well. And also, Elaine is kind of covered up by, like, counters and a bunch of Mayan clothing and stuff like that. And it turns out Julia Louis-Dreyfus was pregnant with her second kid, Charles, during the filming of this episode. Wow, okay. Yeah. Charles was born in 97 and was a walk-on for the Northwestern Wildcats men's basketball team. So, there you go. <laughs> you know, sometimes I forget how old this show is. Because yeah. you, ju- you just mentioning that, I'm like, wait, what the fuck? He's a toddler, right? Uh, no, <laughs> yeah, this was... No. <laughs> That's what this I thought, too. I, was, I almost thought, I was like, okay, well, what is he doing now? And I was like, oh, born in 97. Okay, that's probably... Pr- pr- probably probably still playing basketball. <laughs> yeah, probably, yeah. That, that actually still tracks, so yeah. He's, he's only like 24. Yeah. So I found that interesting. What about Silica Gel? Is that a brand name? What's the deal with that? Well, Silica Gel is an amorphous, porous form of silicon dioxide. It, it's not a brand name, but it is one of many types of desiccants as i found out silica zero gel as they call it is just you know a a desiccant it's hard and translucent but um it remains hard when saturated with water and it is usually commercialized as coarse granules or beads a few millimeters in diameter small paper envelopes containing silica zero gel usually with a do not eat warning are often included in dry food packages and uh, you know you might get them in your shoes and clothing as a we saw in this episode although it's never specifically stated what the desiccant is you know you kind of you kind of fall on silica gel because it always has that do not eat warning on the label um but you know it absorbs humidity that might cause spoilage of food stuff like that but other common desiccants uh, include activated charcoal calcium sulfate calcium chloride molecular molecular sieves and most desiccants are actually non-toxic like silica gel silica gel is non-toxic interesting so So it it won't it won't kill you it won't harm you but um I'm guessing it'll probably still upset your stomach. Yeah, it says do not eat on the packet because it's not food. And sometimes it's packaged with food. And so, (laughs) you know, anything that's not food that you put in with food, you know, you have to put that on there. Also, it could be a a choking hazard, uh, you know, because it... it, Have you ever tried... Did you ever try the cinnamon challenge? No, thankfully. Uh, Well, but you know that cinnamon also can be uh, act as a Mm -hmm. desiccant and, like, suck up all that moisture in your mouth. And so, you know, just imagine... Your mouth and, and your digestive system relies pretty heavily on saliva, and so you yeah. swallow silica gel, it's going to get stuck because there's nothing, there's no lube. Um, yeah. Speaking of sucking up all that moisture, yeah. uh, I had to put my computer monitor, my full oh, yeah. monitor, in a giant bin of rice because our stupid leaky window 
Like, here I am, like, watching, like, drips of water coming in, like, on the window. Uh, occasionally, like, it'll be, like, drips, like, on my desk or whatever. Yeah. And then I go to, like, I look at my monitor. There's water inside oh, the monitor. Geez. How did that happen? How did that, how did it get, how did it jump from the window to the monitor? Because uh, I, the cords, like, the power cord and the HDMI cord into the monitor are over on that side, yeah. uh, closest to the window. I'm guessing the water just hit the cord or the cable and bounced into the mm. m- the monitor itself uh or, or maybe like his of uh the vent openings mm-hmm. but oh my god um yeah it sat in sat in rice for a little over 24 hours uh it's fine i'm using it now um there's definitely some uh scr- some water damage on the screen in the lower left uh. corner but it's a 20-inch monitor, so if I if I need to the screen for anything else, I drag stuff out of the bottom left corner. Because, uh, I mean, it's only, like, probably three, four square inches of water damage. Yeah. And, I mean, you can see everything behind it. Honestly, I think it looks kind of cool. Oh, okay. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe try some silica gel uh, on it. Um, you might have some lying around. Um, so it won't make you sick, like you said. And most often, it'll pass through your body and exit without any harmful effects to you. It uh, it may cause some vomiting or nausea, um, and it does have the potential to cause intestinal in- obstruction if eaten in large quantities. So try not to eat a bowl of silica gel if you do want to try it. Just start, start very <laughs> small. Um, also, here's something that didn't occur to me till I was reading about desiccants. Clothes will last... Without them, like think about the, all the clothes you've gotten that came with a packet of silica gel, and you threw it out, and it probably lasted a lot longer than five years, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Desiccants <laughs> don't make clothes last longer. I, I guess I don't know why they're even in there. I guess just for store purposes, like I, I don't know. In fact, I read that desiccants themselves don't even last five years. So, so Kramer's plan B was even more moronic than we thought. <laughs> but silica gel is not a brand name, and now you know more than you ever wanted to know about. Uh, desiccants, and that uh, you can eat most of them. Oh, but some are coated with what is it, calcium chloride or something like that? I forget what actually. Oh no, cobalt, Cal- something like cobalt sulfate or something. And that will make you. That will make you sick. The silica gel will make you sick, but the um, that specific coating on on some of them will. So you're playing roulette with your dinner if you want to, you know, have a desiccant aperitif and uh, you don't know whether it has that cobalt on it. Uh, so here's some trivia and tidbits from the last episode. The bodysuit bros, who are so excited to meet George after the game where he quote-unquote Bodysuit guy! Bodysuit man! They were played by Seinfeld writers Steve Corin, Greg Cavett, Andy Robin, and Spike Ferriston. And I can't believe Hell I didn't recognize yes. Spike Ferriston because uh, he's the only one I actually know what he looks like, but uh, yeah. Uh, a deleted scene included a callback to the comeback, a comeback callback, when George is talking about getting fired, Kramer asks if Steinbrenner is married, and George angrily shoots back, I'm not saying I had sex with his wife. <laughs> Although it might have worked, you know. Uh, the scene where we see Valerie's stepmom get into Jerry's car is a parody of a scene in The Graduate where Mrs. Robinson gets into Ben's car and demands that he stop seeing Elaine. And a lot of their scenes together with the, the stepmom in the apartment and in the car are parodies of the graduate have you ever seen that with dustin hoffman and and i haven't no yeah it's great i love that movie good movie 
it's weird seeing young Dustin Hoffman because he's one of those guys that's always seemed like 60. Even when he was 20, <laughs> he looked yeah. for some reason. And putting him in a movie in 1967 is like, well, he's dressed like an old guy. He must be old. You know. <laughs> um, it was originally intended to end this episode showing the coffee shop underwater in the year 2000. But that idea was discarded due to time and budget constraints, which I don't. I mean, there was no jokes about what was going to happen in the yeah. millennium. So that, that would that would have just been weird and out of nowhere. I'm glad they didn't do it. I'm yeah. I'm very confused on why that would <laughs> yeah. potentially happen in the first place. I mean, Doomsday uh, I Millennium am, humor was you know kind of funny. It was everywhere. Yeah, yeah. but <laughs> I am glad they cut out uh, the the comeback uh, reference because I mean that would be George learning from a past experience. That's right. He can't Good do that. Call. No. If anything, he would have he would have taken that. He would have needed to take that idea <laughs> and throw it in. <laughs> Uh, it would have been funny if he threw it in at the end of the Wilhelm scene, like, you know, when, when Wilhelm's trying to get fired and George's trying to get fired at the same time, if George just yelled, I had sex with your wife! You know, <laughs> this is a last-ditch effort. Uh, when Valerie and Jerry are watching a movie, we can hear the soundtrack from Nixon, which we first heard in episode 14 of season 7, The Cadillac. Uh, I don't know where we heard. Oh, no, we did hear it um, when Morty is leaving Del Boca Vista. I guess they're playing the soundtrack to Nixon. There's just a little uh, tidbit there. Steinbrenner puts on Lou Gehrig's pants and wonders if Lou's ALS might be contagious as Steinbrenner doesn't want to be flipping and flopping all over, I believe he says. And this didn't occur to me until I read it. ALS does the exact opposite. It shuts down all of your muscles one by one until yeah. death occurs. Yeah. I, so. I think I think I may have even brought that up. I'm like, I, this is part of like why I think this is just so bad because it's the exact opposite of what happens. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's right. I do. I do remember you saying that. Now I don't know why I'd, I'd forgotten it. I guess I hadn't gotten to that part in the in the re-listen when I was doing the homework. Stuff, so uh, I just thought I'd reiterate it then, and that's it. Okay. Um, any other news or anything? Uh, I do want to mention. I don't know if you're still watching because you don't need to, but uh, I'm I'm addicted at this point, and even though I don't have to, I do still watch the Bachelor franchise. And oh, just, I still am. Oh, okay. So you know, on on the last episode, or I guess it'd be two weeks ago now at this point. Well, anyway, there was there was a recent episode where the men had to engage in the contest. Yes. Oh my god, I can't, I can't believe that this is happening. Yeah. They, um, and honestly, as much as they built it up in the beginning of the episode, it really went nowhere. It didn't. There was so much potential. Yeah. There was so much potential. And no payoff. I Like, in the end of that episode, uh, I guess this is spoilers if you're not <laughs> caught up on, on the current season of The Bachelorette. Katie sends Connor B. home. Yeah. Have her grab her, her old trusty purple friend and say, yeah. well, I'm not part of this challenge, and walk off screen. Yeah, yeah. Or or make it, or imply that, like, Connor jerked it in the cab or something, you know? Like, something, yeah. He's like, well, I guess I'm not included in this anymore. Yeah. And you just hear him undo his belt. Exactly, <laughs> like, yeah. Or just reference it at all, you know? I mean... There was no, there was no other mention other than, like... Uh, Blake Moyne yeah. saying that he jerks off like 12 times a week. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What was yeah. that about? And then, and then later, like, you know, they had edited some stuff about, well, I guess I finally got my happy ending. Like, I'm sure it was all fed to him by producers. Like, oh, all right, now say this God. line. And then they yeah. edited like a, a sprinkler going off uh, into the, the shot, too. I, I, did chortle at the line as I was watching it back, though, of, like, them talking about that, and he accidentally, like, I can tell this was an accident just by how both of them reacted. Yeah. That he's talking about, like, their future, 
and in terms of like the challenge and or the contest yeah. i guess you yeah. could call it uh in con- in seinfeld terms uh but he's talking about their futures like and when that time finally comes fuck yeah yeah i did notice that too <laughs> and and katie like chokes on her wine for a second <laughs> yeah I'm like jesus christ yeah but but uh, one of the co-hosts, Caitlin, did say, you know, by the end, you know, we want to make sure you're masters of your domain or something like that, which of course was yes. coined by Seinfeld. So, <laughs> so there you go, just a little Seinfeld uh, in in the real world, in the wild. <laughs> All right. Um, if you've never listened to this episode before, we are not a research-heavy show, despite the last <clears throat> forty-seven minutes being exclusively research and a, a lot of bullshit. I think it was um, 9 minutes before we actually started I, the episode. I, so. I think so. I mean that's that's before we edit anything that's before out. An edit, 47 yeah. minutes. <laughs> uh we like to have our questions come up naturally in the run of the episode and assign them to ourselves the week following as though we are giving ourselves homework. If we miss anything, if we egregiously skip over something, please send us an email or send us a tweet. At no hugging on Twitter or no hugging no learning show at gmail.com. Both of those links are in the description. If you like what you hear, please give us a five star rating and a written review on Apple Podcasts or your podcast player of choice. Uh, if it's the latter, please just send us a screen cap because we can only see the, the Apple Podcast ones. If you do that or if you want to keep it anonymous, send it to our email, whatever you want to do. We will send you a holographic, no-hugging, no-learning sticker, free of charge. Uh, We just need your mailing address so that we can send that out to you. We do have something this week in Newman's mail sack, so we will get to that at the end of the show. And that being said, Season 8, Episode 21, The Muffin Tops, original air date May 8th, 1997. I was four years, four months, and 18 days old. And, Tim, if you're counting this episode and every other episode we've got left, we have 24 episodes until we become a... Revolving Restaurant Review Podcast. Which, honestly... God, that's going to be a short show. I would... How I, many of those are there? There worldwide? can't be that many. Yeah, I, I mean, I was thinking, like, U.S. only, but if we want to travel for this thing, yeah, let's go yeah, worldwide. I, I, I think we need to go worldwide on this one. Um, I, I'd, st- I'd still fathom, worldwide, there's got to be, like, less than 20. That is not, like, a very popular thing. You're it probably right. But but think of how long it's going to take, too. You know, I mean, we're going to have to <laughs> think of the travel. It, it may not even be weekly, you know, unless we record them all in advance. Um, it's going to, you know, it's going to be pretty time intensive. I, I think... I think it's a blessing, Ted, that there's not that many. <laughs> That's true. Do you we, like? I, we'd be I love broke revolving. by the end of it. I love revolving restaurants. I, I'm. I I've, love that shtick. I've never been in one. Oh, I, there's one in there's one in Dallas. I know that's probably the last one I've been in. Um, it's that. It's like a, it looks like the Wig Sphere kind of from uh, the the time the um World's Fair in Knoxville or wherever that was. Yeah, <laughs> Knoxville. Um, and uh, yeah, and you go up there, and it's a Wolfgang Puck restaurant, and uh, yeah, it's 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 really uh, good, and I just I just love that concept. And there's a um, we could maybe include I don't know how many of these there are. There's a revolving bar in New Orleans that that spins around, so hmm. uh, we could include that. Um, yeah, it's called like the Carousel I, I, Bar or something like I that. I feel like the 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 line has to be: Do they serve food at all? Yeah. Okay. Anything that I'm spins sure... around and serves food. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure they do. I'm sure they have like a charcuterie board or something. Yeah, totally. Yeah, so I'm, I'm down with this. I'm excited. I love I love the concept, the revolving restaurants. <laughs> 
All right. If you're looking at TV Guy the night of May 8th, 1997, you are going to see Elaine and a former boss join forces in a muffin top business, semicolon, George pretends to be a tourist in order to get a date. I don't love it. It might be okay. It's long. I do like that. <laughs> we'll have to see uh, at the end if we can make it better. Because I don't even know how much I agree. I guess I do. All right. Uh, we start with a cold open. And just like last week, this cold open, I didn't think it was, but it has something to do with the episode. I thought it was just going to be yeah. kind of a funny intro, but it actually uh, plays into one of the major plot lines. Jerry and George are walking down the street, and George agrees to watch some guy's bag and he starts going through it which i thought was pretty funny and jerry's like what are we do you know what are we doing here and and so george asks another guy who happens to be walking by and he's like hey could you watch my bag for a second and the guy's like why so i can stand on the corner look like an idiot until you get back <laughs> and it's at that point that jerry takes off after that guy and says i'm gonna be this guy's friend <laughs> i wish we would have gotten like a reference at all later in the episode that they like went and hung out that day or yeah. something yeah yeah like even like just he, in the next scene in, in monks or the apartment like oh yeah oh you know i think um i think jeff and i are going out this weekend or whatever <laughs> oh, jeff and i saw like, that it, yesterday it, yeah it, it can be dropped immediately after that yeah you know but that i i would have loved that uh oh, over at monks george comes in and he's wearing i called this uh like atlantic city boardwalk wear it's like bright <laughs> bright striped shirt and like really light chinos and he's like oh yeah i'm uh, uh, i got some new clothes and jerry notices some wear in the bottom of these supposedly new pants and they're actually the clothes from the bag that george was watching and i love george's um, rationalization i'm still watching them <laughs> <laughs> which by the way i think that's a funny isn't that a funny thing that humans do it's like hey stranger can you watch my expensive thing so that other strangers yeah. don't take it like how do i know you're not and George did steal this guy's bag. Like he did. Yeah, he did. Yeah. What makes George of all people more trustworthy than people you can't see yet? Yeah, or that anybody in a coffee shop or a library more trustworthy than anybody else to watch your laptop while you go to the bathroom? You know. Yeah. And and also, where was this guy going that he couldn't take a single small suitcase? <laughs> exactly. It's, yeah. It's not like he had multiple bags. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's totally true. It was like very light, and it was like one of those hanging bags that you kind of fold yeah. over, and yeah, it couldn't have had much in it. Um, but George looks like a tourist. He even has a map, presumably from the bag, maybe not, because he is looking for Walker Street. He has to go for a league meeting. He has to go somewhere for a league meeting, and George, we find out, is the new Wilhelm. Wilhelm now works for the Mets uh, from the last episode, and George now has Wilhelm's job, and I love this was... This was so oh funny God. right up top because Jerry's yeah. like, who's the new George? And he's like, oh, they got an intern from Francis Lewis High School. And he comes in one day, Mondays, after school. Uh, his name is Alex. I, I love that. <laughs> I, I thought that was hilarious. George's, do George's whole <laughs> former job can be done, A, by an intern, B, Mondays only after he's done with school. Yeah, for a few hours from <laughs> 3 to 5 or whatever. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was very good, yeah. Um, oh, no, his name isn't Alex. Alex is the name no, of Jerry's... Uh, yeah, uh, Right, Keith. Yeah, his name is Keith. Alex comes in. That's Jerry's new girlfriend. And George is impressed. He's like, where do you keep meeting these women? And and Jerry has kind of a funny, like, look in here. And like kind of points to his heart and says, open this up and you'll find the greatest dating site in the world or something like that. <laughs> God. I don't think he said dating site. That'd be too modern. Yeah, I guess you're right. Yeah. 
I mean, it was last week that we had jokes about the internet. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Maybe he said dating scene or something like that. I know it was, I know uh, it was something, maybe. something yeah. similar. So up in Jerry's apartment, Kramer is interrupted by Elaine while he's digging through Jerry's couch for change, which I like that it had nothing to do... Jerry, like Kramer's literally just stealing from Jerry. Like that's it doesn't have anything to do with the rest of the scene or the episode, <laughs> <laughs> which is hilarious. He just every so often does that. Even like talking about it now, I totally forgot that's what was happening because it it makes no it it makes no sense in the context of the episode as to why he would be doing this. Yeah, it's just something he does. <laughs> yep. Yep. Just, and, just one of those Kramer things. And another, we don't know if Elaine knocked on Kramer's door first, but she might have. But she also might have just go. She needs to talk to Kramer and maybe <laughs> went to Jerry's first, you know, to find him in there. But she might have knocked on his door. We don't know. But Jerry is there. He's in the shower. And Elaine's like, remember when you sold Peterman all your stories and then you took him back? And I love that Kramer's like, vaguely. Like, how do you not remember <laughs> this major event? I think that's hilarious that, like... That Kramer is just like flying by the seat of his pants, like the past is in the past. I'm only looking forward. Like <laughs> he's that got too vaguely, much going on. Yeah. yeah, vaguely that sounds familiar. Uh, well, Elaine was really light on material, and she put the stories in anyway. And Kramer is excited to be a part of pop culture now, and he <laughs> wants to thank Jay Peterman. Uh, and he's going to be at a book signing at Walden Books. Again, Kramer's very impressed because that's a big chain. And he barges into the bathroom and rips open the shower curtain to tell Jerry. <laughs> and, and Jerry screams, yeah. Ah, get out, get out. I don't want to live like this. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to live like this. Jesus. Uh, so over at Walden Books, uh, Jay Peterman is there signing his book, No Placket Required. What does that mean? I have no fucking what is a idea. Pl- I guess... I'm guessing it's a play on jacket. It. I know there's a. I mean that. I guess that's a common phrase. No jacket required. But I know that there's a Phil Collins album called No Jacket Required. That's my most. But I have no idea what a placket is. Um. Let's see. Uh. Google says a placket is an opening or slit in a garment covering fastenings or giving access to a pocket or the flap of fabric under such an opening. Okay. <laughs> so it's kind of like a fashion uh, uh, it's a fashion thing yeah uh upper part of trousers or skirts at the neck or sleeve of a garment plackets are almost always used to allow clothing to be oh okay it's like where it's where your zipper is on your pants okay that's and that little flap is the placket that covers I guess the zipper so, yeah yeah so a it's like anything that an covers opening... covers a button or something you don't want to I, I don't know if it's the cover uh like the the fabric that covers the zipper I think it's yeah. just like the term for the opening itself. Oh, interesting. Huh. I wonder when a placket becomes a... When does a placket become a pocket? Or when does a placket become a... I guess when you attach a zipper to it, then it's a... Well, I don't know. Maybe it's still a placket. <laughs> it's a zipper placket. <laughs> so it's, it's definitely just a fashion term. So I guess that's why they called his book No Placket Required. I would love to be in the writer's room and see what the, what the alternates were. You know, I want to know the alts for that. They had to have been better than No Placket Required. Um, Without a doubt, I I would put money on that. <laughs> and Elaine runs into Mr. Lipman there, who now works for Pundit Publishing, not Pendant did, Publishing. Did he say Pundit? Because the captions say Pendant. I swear he said Pundit, and and that would be notable because they both worked for Pendant, and yeah. now, and you know, and and I think he said now I work for Pundit Publishing, and I thought it was funny, which because would make sense yeah. in the in the explanation he gives too. Yeah. 
So, uh, yeah, which I found funny because it, like, publishing companies, it makes them seem like they're a dime a dozen. You know, it's like a pendant, pundit, you know. <laughs> um, well, they're the ones putting out Jay Peterman's book, and <laughs> he says, oh, it seems like every half-witten sitcom star has his own book now. Uh, Again, and, which would make sense for pundit publishing. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> and I do have to mention, you know, obviously it's a meta joke saying, oh, every dumb sitcom star has his own book. Jay Peterman's book cover looks very similar to Jerry's book Sign Language which which came out in 1993 you know it's like it's it's like he's wearing like a black turtleneck or something he's kind of like in the middle of a laugh and has his hand up to hand up Hell to his yeah. face and it looks very so i think it was like a meta joke kind of making fun just, of Jerry's just to book just fucking roast on Jerry yeah yeah um which a, a lot of people find i mean literally Jerry just wrote down his act and put it in a book and other comics, were, and, it, and it became like a number one bestseller. And other comedians were like, "Why didn't anyone ever do this before?" You know, it was it was like in the early days of Twitter when people were just coming out with books of their tweets. It was like, "Why, God. why didn't we just? Why didn't we think of that? <laughs> why didn't we think about just putting jokes in books and putting them out?" Um, so I found that kind of a funny meta joke. But Kramer sits down and starts to trying to sign books as the real Peterman, since a lot of them are his stories. Jay Peterman is wondering what he's doing there. Elaine. Uh, just pulls the tops off of muffins. We cut back to her conversation with Lipman and she says like, Oh, that's when the muffin really comes alive. It breaks free of the pan. And uh, you know, that's a million million dollar idea. Someone should open a shop that just sells muffin tops. Uh, And Kramer is then escorted out of the bookstore by security. I could have sworn that whenever McDonald's introduced all day breakfast a couple of years ago, or recently whenever they introduced like new dessert items, Muffin Tops was supposed to be one of the things that McDonald's was going to sell nationwide. I think you're right. I think they did come out with that. I I don't I don't think they ever did though. No, they didn't. Let me see. Oh, you're right. It looks like they were just selling it on some test markets. Yeah. Why did that not become a thing though? I don't know. I guess great. the test must have not gone well. Yeah, they called them muffin toppers. Of course they did. God yeah. damn it. <laughs> Yeah, and they didn't. It looks like they did not make it past the. Um, when was this? Twenty eighteen. Yeah, twenty eighteen. Yeah, I wonder how they made them. Did they perfect the recipe as Elaine instructs Lipman, or did they just just only do the this the uh, this image I'm looking at that has uh, some coupons and it looks like they have a double chocolate, a blueberry, and a lemon poppy seed. Mm-hmm. Doesn't look like it is just the top. It looks like it is a very very shallow whole muffin like the 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 uh stump of it yeah. is only like a centimeter well now that's and then a... the rest of and then the rest of it is muffin top well that's a great idea why didn't elaine think of that just a, a thin pan it breaks free yeah immediately but how would wow yeah I, I would love to see the process of how they made these because how would you fit enough dough in that tiny little circle for it then to plump out i guess it just plumps out a lot faster than than a regular muffin man i'd love to know how they made these but yeah that's that's exactly what it looks like i think they solved the stump problem they did it maybe the maybe it starts as a actual muffin tray muffin tin and then it has a bottom that collapses as it cooks you know you could time that out and start pushing it out as the muffin starts baking that could be possible i don't know but yeah i totally forgot about that i uh, i wish they'd made it i wish they'd made it out on the street, George is still in his tourist clothes. Here's where I found a bit of, a, I think, a continuity error. That guy was not the same size as George. How does George fit no. into all that guy's clothes? 
<laughs> this this guy was noticeably taller yeah and not as stocky definitely yeah definitely i mean more jerry's size than george's yeah and and i thought right well maybe the guy who asked george was also passing off the job which kind of would have been funny but we're gonna find <laughs> out later that's not the case so yeah i i, I found that kind of weird um and george is looking at a map trying to find where this this place on walker street and he's being berated by other new yorkers saying like hey go get out of here hayseed and stuff like that um <laughs> and this attractive woman comes up to him and, and says oh you know i hope all, you don't think all new yorkers are like that um her name is mary ann and she's with the new york visitors bureau or something like that uh visitor center yeah visitor center there you go uh and george says he's from little rock arkansas <laughs> Uh, up in the apartment bathroom uh, jerry's apartment he notices what look like new chest hairs and as he's finishing shaving he looks over at his razor and the wheels start turning Uh, out in uh, the apartment later superman this is where i noticed superman's on the bookshelf he might have been there earlier but this is the first time i really saw him jerry confesses to kramer that he shaved his entire chest he was starting to try to make it uh symmetrical and then all of a sudden it was just all gone and I like that uh, Kramer's advice right off the bat is, don't tell anyone. And then George comes in and immediately is like, Jerry shaved his chest. <laughs> and Jerry's like, come on. He's like, oh, I forgot. <laughs> it was literally like one second ago. What did you think of uh, Kramer's advice of, you're not supposed to poke around down there? Yeah, yeah, that was funny. And then, and and then Jerry's, Jerry's like, like women, well, do, women it. do it. Well, women do it. <laughs> yeah, this was pre-metrosexual pre-manscaping yeah <laughs> man <laughs> yeah I, lo- I love that when but he's like jerry shaved his chest he's like oh uh i forgot never mind he tries to never mind it to george uh, never mind <laughs> forget what i just so, said i i guess like this is something i never thought of like were men prior to like what oh six or oh seven just still have every hair you ever grow until you die I think so. Yeah, I think anything below the neck was uncharted <laughs> territory for anybody who wasn't oh, like uh, a swimmer, you know, like the like the guy who shaved his head uh, <laughs> earlier. Yeah, I think so. Over in Central Park, Jerry is walking with Alex, and she talks about wanting to go to the beach, but you know, Jerry is now uh, has a hairless chest. He's a little insecure about it, so he doesn't like that idea. But Alex starts petting a Mexican hairless, which I, I guess is the breed of this dog. I, I don't know. I definitely seen him before. Um, and she loves the smoothness of, she's like, oh, hairless, this is the way to go. She's like, smoother, cleaner. (laughs) Oh, God. Yeah, and so now, well, now the wheels are turning for Jerry again. Uh, Out on the street, Elaine passes a guy who's eating just a muffin top, and a store has just opened up down the street, and I love that Elaine's like, a muffin top store? He's like, what I just say? (laughs) That's like... I thought it was hilarious. That was amazing. I was like, that shouldn't happen in a sitcom. That's too funny for a sitcom. For a character. No, the character is supposed to go, yeah, right down the street. Like, reiterate the plot line. Like, no, a regular person wouldn't do that. What did I just say, lady? Yeah, a muffin top store. I love that. What did I just say? (laughs) This is the second. Well, I mean, we've got a lot of, like, angry New Yorkers on the street. But this is the second that's been, like so realistic like the guy in the cold open it's like what so i can stand there like an idiot till you get back <laughs> uh, so elaine goes to a store called top of the muffin to you and it's lipman's huh. new store <laughs> you know ted a lot what of muffin stores name. have 
have dumb names, but not this one. It's called Top of the Muffin to You. <laughs> Son of a bitch. <laughs> I'm trying not to think of one. like some other like muffin top pun names I could yeah, have now. I know. A la Back in Business. Yeah, back at the lumbar yard. What, what's other muffin? Oh, how about like... Um... No stumps allowed. <laughs> no stumps. Um, stump the muffin or something like that. That's not much of a pun. Wait, when, but... when did No Scrubs by TLC come out? 94, I want to say? Oh, fuck yeah. The store's <laughs> got to be called Don't Want No Stumps. Don't Want No Stumps. <laughs> and um, what about like Muffin Like It? <laughs> You know, like so, so put nothing into it instead of muffin for nothing. There's there's muffin like it, muffin to do, something like that. Muffin yeah. do about stumping. Muffin do about stumping. I like the part of our our pun uh, pyramids where they it becomes completely unrecognizable. <laughs> the word loses all meaning. Uh, and and the and the phrase that we're punning too. <laughs> But that's the only little scene we get, the shock of Lipman owning this new muffin store, which was Elaine's <laughs> idea that she gave him. Over in Jerry's apartment, George is pretending to be a tourist to spend time with Marianne. Uh, and he's loving this new, she makes all the plans, I'm out of town, so it's okay if I'm stupid, which I love. <laughs> and also, there's a set end to his vacation, so there's not going to be a breakup. It's just going to be the end there. Jerry's like, how do you explain your part? And he's like, I got a hotel. So he's moved into a hotel just to spend time with this woman. <laughs> um, and Jerry's not going to tell Alex that he shaves his chest because she, he doesn't want her to think he's one of those low-rise brief guys that shaves their chest, which I guess is probably <sighs> what they were calling metrosexuals before that term was coined. <laughs> Kramer honks from the street, and Jerry and George run to the window and see he's in a bus that says, The Peterman Reality Tour. And this Jerry's line here was great. The last thing this guy's qualified to give a tour of is reality. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so back at top of the muffin to you, Elaine accuses Lipman of stealing the idea. And that's pretty much that scene. I did like this was not to like just skip right over this, but like this is essentially arguing about copyright law. Like this yeah. is probably the most modern thing in the entire episode. Like th this is our legal system today because Pe yeah. uh not peterman um Littman says like ideas are just everywhere ideas are in the air and elaine right. says if that idea if that I air is coming out of my face then it's my air and my idea and she's yes. totally right this is her idea it reminds but the, me yeah. but the burden of proof is on her to prove that it is her idea right right yeah it's just a verbal thing that people were talking about and and mm -hmm. how serious and yeah what's on the record and off the record and it reminds me of a great movie if that kind of thing interests you called flash of genius have you ever um have you ever seen that or heard I've of never it heard of it no it's got greg kinnear it's about the guy who invented the intermittent windshield wiper which doesn't sound very interesting but he showed a car like he was showing people the idea and then a car company started producing it and and they were like, oh, it's just, you know, just like this. They're like, oh, it's just an idea. It was like our engineers were working on it, too. And he's like, well, I, I should. And he went through. I mean, he lost his family. He lost all of his money, like fighting in court. He spent all of his time fighting in court to, to be, um, you know, awarded wow. the actual. Yeah. Like to, to make this car company pay for stealing his idea. And, and it was it's a real like David and Goliath story about the little guy fighting the giant, you know, car. Like it was Chevy or Ford or something like that. 
Uh, but What's it called? One, uh, Flash of Genius. Okay. And what, but one pivotal scene in the beginning, they're like, well, it's it's just the same parts. I mean, you put all these parts together in, in the same order, it's going to be uh, the same thing, and it's you know it's not stolen from anybody. And and he brings up, um, you know, it was the best of times, it was the worst of times. He like reads the beginning of Great Expectations, is like, well, those are all just words, and Dickens just put them in a certain order. So what's you know what's the difference between this and that? Um, yeah, that that just uh, really stuck with me, uh, and kind of reminds me of the same thing. Over at Monks. Marianne tells George, you know, it's not a good idea to take the relationship much further because he's going to be going back to his job at Tyler Chicken and his three-legged dog, Willie. And oh, my she's, God. She's going to be staying in New York. And George is like, what if I told you I was thinking of moving here? And Marianne, this is laughable to her. <laughs> she says, oh, George, this city would eat you alive. <laughs> <laughs> and George, like, without saying anything, as Marianne is kind of, like, looking down at her plate... George looks like he agrees with her. He's like, eh, yeah. I noticed that too. What a great reaction. At first he's offended, but then he's like, well, no, I guess it kind of has. <laughs> <laughs> but also George shouldn't take too much offense anyway, because this is just something people who live in cities love to tell people who do not live in cities. You could live in the suburb and, and people would be like, oh, yeah, no, you, you definitely couldn't hack it here. I mean, not, not, not many people can. Ugh. You know, it's just something like, it's that like smugness of urban dwellers that is just like the most annoying um, you know, it happened to me in D.C. a lot. Like people thought living in D.C. Yeah. was like the coolest thing. And if you lived anywhere outside of D.C., it was not, the, you know, um, so it's it just it's just it's just smugness. It's just city dweller smugness that. Yeah, so, exactly. Like I used to think like uh, I, I've got some friends that do uh, live in New York City. Um, I used to think like, man, that's the place to be. I got to get to a big city. Anytime I see like uh, stories of like a party that they're at with a couple of friends. Man, everyone looks tired. <laughs> Everyone's an alcoholic. Like, Whoa. what? Why is that? Why is that something that I'm yearning to get to? You know? Yeah, yeah. It look. Every person I see looks like they haven't slept in three weeks. Yeah, I don't know if I'm guessing that that exists in Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh's kind of an anomaly, larger city in a lot of ways. But I'm just not in that crowd anymore you know like i'm yeah. now i now the people that i talk to like you're the microbrewery crowd yeah yeah and and the suburban parent crowd you know it's like yeah, now yeah. we can't we can't imagine like why would you want to live in the city you know like, first of all the schools are horrible don't you got to consider that you know oh my god yeah <laughs> um <laughs> So up in Jerry's apartment, uh, George is explaining to Jerry, you know, he's going to show her that he's, you know, he, so he's going to pretend that he is moving here just to show her that the city won't eat him alive. And I like that he's like, if you take all my accomplishments and condense them into one day, it looks decent. So like all of the time it took him to actually get a good job and get an apartment and live in this is like just content you know that all happened in one day he's like yeah that looks pretty good kramer <laughs> enters and he hands the guys uh pamphlets for the peterman reality bus tour and George, uh, jerry's like nobody wants to go on a three-hour bus tour of a totally unknown person's life and kramer's like i'm only charging 37.50 <laughs> jesus christ and you get a pizza bagel and a dessert at the end which is a bite-sized three musketeers and he's like just like the real peterman uh, eats he's like Wait, Peterman eats those? He's like, no, but I do, and I'm the real Peterman. <laughs> <laughs> and then George explains the reality tour to both of them in a bit that maybe was funny the first time. You know, he says real and reality like 90 times in the span of, of a few seconds. And, um, you know, it's one of, those, one of those things that they did early that worked really well. But I, I chalked this up with the bunk 
you know, because he like mm. explains it and they're like, okay. oh, I get it. Ha ha. Or whatever, you know, <sighs> but not really. Which, by the way, it's at this point that I have to point out, I believe this whole episode is a burn on the real Kenny Kramer. Well, I, really? well definitely. Yeah, I don't know enough about it, but I'm sure we're going to dive into it during homework next week. But okay. the guy that I think Larry David and maybe Jerry Seinfeld knew, but I think it was the guy that lived across from Larry David, Kenny Kramer, that the character Kramer is based on, started doing a Kramer reality tour. Like, see what the real Kramer did. And instead of making it about you know, episodes of the show, it really was like, well, here's what I really like to do, not what the character played by Michael oh Richards like to do. God. And it was like pointless, you know, because <laughs> like, well, no one knows who you are. Take us to see monks, you know? <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah. And I, and it was, it was very, I mean, it was, it was, um, it was acrimonious. Like it wasn't a friend, like he didn't appreciate that he wasn't getting any credit for being the real Kramer, just like Kramer's hates not getting any credit for being the real Peterman. So I think this is all. This whole episode is just a burn on that guy. <laughs> but it's interesting that Larry David doesn't even work on the show anymore. So maybe it was an idea where he was like, "No, come on. I mean, Kramer's a good guy. He's just you know he's, he misunderstands what what we're doing here." And and maybe when he left, they were like, "Hey, let's make fun of that Kramer guy now." <laughs> I don't know. I can't say for sure, but I'm sure we'll delve into it more in, in the next episode. But I, so that's where the real dig. Like no one wants. Uh, you know, a tour of a totally unknown person's life. Nobody wants to go on a three-hour tour. Uh, over at Monks, Lipman is asking for Elaine's advice on the muffin tops. He's he's in over his head. He doesn't know what's going on. They're not as good. And Elaine's like, once he agrees to cut her in for thirty percent of the profits, Elaine's like, you have you're not making the whole muffin. You have to make the muffin, pop the top, and toss the stump. And he's like, what do we do with the stump? And Elaine's like, well, we'll donate him to a soup kitchen or something. So now they've got something. Uh, in the apartment, Kramer walks in to find Lady Shaving project, uh, Products and Jerry in the bathroom shaving his chest. I thought the reveal was pretty funny when he's kind of got his face poking out of the door. And then he opens it yeah. full and he's like, I can't stop. He's <laughs> <laughs> covered with shaving cream. And uh, Alex thinks he's naturally hairless, so he has to keep it up. Well, Kramer is like, oh, you know, that's just going to come back, back thicker every time. And Jerry's like, oh, that's an old wives' tale. And Kramer's like, is it? Well, look at this. And opens up his robe off camera. And Jerry recoils in horror. Kramer definitely showed Jerry his pubes, right? Um, I guess so. Like, not his chest hair? Maybe. The, I was wondering why he backed up. I mean, and I was like, like yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I'm guessing it was probably the full Monty. Because we, we see Kramer again, and he's redoing his robe. Yeah, if it was just robe. his chest, he could easily do that without uh without undoing the tie <laughs> you're right i didn't consider it because i was like why did they have to hide his chest but no you're right he probably yeah he probably showed the whole thing and that's why jerry was so uh not only the size of kramer's bush but also you know having to see the whole thing uh was yeah it went, even when there were pants in between jerry and little kramer uh jerry was horrified <laughs> so seeing the whole thing i'm sure uh, okay, back at top of the muffin to you, they are cleaning up. Now that they're making the whole muffin, people are loving the muffin tops. And then somebody from the homeless shelter comes in and says her name is Rebecca De Mornay. Did you catch that? Uh, I didn't catch her last name, but I, I wrote down that her name was Rebecca. Why? Well, what's, Re what's Rebecca De Mornay is a famous actress. Oh, for like real? A super yeah. <laughs> oh, oops. Yeah, I think even like at the time she was in stuff. I want to say Rebecca De Mornay. <laughs> Um, but I'm, I'm Rebecca De Mornay from the homeless shelter, and she berates them for leaving only the stumps. She's like, oh, you think the homeless will just eat anything because they're homeless, and they should be happy to have the stumps. And, and like, so, yeah. <laughs> I thought this was funny. Yeah. 
up in George's apartment. He's got everything boxed up, which like that that's a lot. Like I hate moving. Like I never want to move again. Commitment, yeah. yeah. Oh my god. And he's god. boxed everything up and it's sitting in the middle of his apartment and he's showing it to Marianne, like, ah, look, I already got and she's she is impressed. She's like, Wow, what are you paying? And he's like, twenty three hundred and she's like, Ouch, a month? <laughs> She's like, well, it'll work for now, but if you stay here more than a few months, you're a real sucker. <laughs> and it's been a long, long time yeah. since we've got a what's the rent reference. I think that was season one. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's what everyone asks immediately. Yeah, what's the rent? What are you paying on that? Yeah. yeah. I think that was season one. That was, oh, my God. Well, eight seasons ago. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and... So they're going to go. He's like, well, wait, do you see my new job that I got? She's like, yeah, we should let this place air out. It smel- uh, air out. It smells like the last tenant had monkeys. <laughs> <laughs> it, George immediately sniffs his pits. Too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, over on the Peterman reality tour bus, all the writers are upset immediately. And I say that because Kramer says we have three more hours of this. So everyone's upset right away. Uh, everyone hates it immediately. <laughs> And he's like, all right, because uh, he's showing him my apartment's right up there. He's like, and Newman's mail route is around here. And they're like, who's Newman? <laughs> um, and he, he, he says, oh, up here is Lomas's, Lomas's place of worship. <laughs> God. He did have a line here that I, I would honestly like to see you incorporate into you driving around with your family. Because Kramer just yells back, I can't drive and argue with you rubes all at the same time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I will I will bring that up. I will do that next time. <laughs> uh, over at Yankee State. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, no, up, on, up in the apartment. Kramer is asking Jerry to take the tour as a minor celebrity. And maybe it'll, you know, cause a, a little bit of a minor buzz. And he's like, I'll tell you what, you and you, you bring your girlfriend 60 bucks for both of you. So they're getting a little discount <laughs> as well, as well as doing him a favor. He has to pay 60 bucks and Elaine can't get rid of the stumps. She doesn't know where they're, you know, the sanitation can't take them. The homeless shelters don't want them. And she asked Kramer if he can transport some stumps in the bus. And Kramer's like, well, they'll have to sit in the back. And Elaine's like, that's okay. He's like, are, are they war veterans? <laughs> Holy yeah. fuck. Yeah, yeah, an amputee joke. Jesus Christ! Here we are. Yeah, um, like Elaine would be that callous, and and that it's, Kramer assumes she is like transport some stumps. Um, over at Yankee Stadium, George is showing Marianne his new office. Steinbrenner comes in, and this is like the funniest Steinbrenner. Maybe it's because he's able to walk around or something. This was one of the funniest Steinbrenner bits of the whole series to me. It's like, oh, George, yeah, should have let, let me know he had a woman in here, uh, and. Marianne mentions that, you know, it's great that, Mr. Steinbrenner, you're, you're taking a chance on the head supervisor of Tyler Chicken. And Steinbrenner thinks that George is doing both jobs, <laughs> working at Yankee Stadium during the day and then working in Little Rock, Arkansas at night. Well, I was just going to say, I just love He's like, I'm blown away, blown away, blown away. He just keeps saying that. And oh, I was yeah. like, this yeah, is I, the I dumbest like Steinbrenner. It- I think at one point he even goes like, blow, oh, 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 no way. <laughs> yeah. They're making him new but levels like, of idiot every time we see him. Yeah. We've touched on this before that like, wow, they really make Steinbrenner look like the dumbest <laughs> motherfucker on the entire planet. Yeah. And this is this is new levels of that. Holy <laughs> yeah. shit. Uh, so over on the bus, Jerry and Alex are on the tour eating a pizza bagel. The, and and uh, Alex has, has been made on a cinnamon raisin uh, bagel. And Jerry's has been made on a donut, which actually sounds amazing. It looks like just a regular I mean, glazed donut. 
I'm guessing Kramer made these himself then. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah, just like with with like, you know, Thomas's bagels and like store-bought shredded moths. Whatever, whatever like bread products he can find. Yeah, yeah. But if you think a donut and a pizza does not sound good, go to Erie, Pennsylvania and try pepperoni balls. Oh, man. Yeah, because oh. you got some sweet dough and you got some delicious, oh, uh, yeah, you got some delicious pizza on the inside there and it's great. Uh, the back of the bus is full, ceiling to floor, full of stump bags. <laughs> and as, as Kramer says, that there's going to be a bonus on this tour. We're going to be hauling muffin stumps to a repository. And a guy on the tour, who looks a lot like David Letterman, i got to say, uh, a guy on the tour asks, you mean a city dump or something like that? I, I really liked Jerry chiming in to Alex and saying, you know, I had my doubts about him, but he's really recreating what it's like to be friends with him. <laughs> yeah. Over at Yankee Stadium, Steinbrenner is calling the Tyler Chicken Steinbrenner type head of that organization. The office looks entirely the same. In fact, Tyler Chicken looks like Tyson Chicken. I'm guessing it they does. Just, yeah, they just couldn't get yeah. the uh, the pass on uh, using the actual logo. But <laughs> as the CEO from uh, from Tyler Chicken says, "Well, I've never heard of this Costanza guy, but if you want him, not, I'm not giving him up that easy." Uh, so. He's like, if you let me keep Costanza, give me Costanza, I'll convert all of your concessions to chicken. Uh, instead of, you know, we'll have chicken burgers and chicken dogs. Instead of beer, alcoholic chicken. And, and Steinbrenner's like, how do you do that? He's like, they ferment, just like everything else. <laughs> what did you think of uh, the Tyler Chicken CEO? I, I think his name was Dan Tyler. What did you think of him just constantly doing chicken movements? Did oh, you I catch that? No, I didn't. That's hilarious. Oh, my God. Tim, he's bobbing his head like a chicken as he's talking. And yeah. at one point, he's like, he's literally flapping his arms like wings. <laughs> Can't believe I didn't catch that. That's hilarious. <laughs> I wonder if it's the same actor. I wonder if it's the Steinbrenner actor playing this guy. <laughs> you know, the weird thing was, I'm pretty sure that like the, the head of Tyson Chicken, whoever that guy is, was like doing Tyson commercials at the time. So I don't, but it, but this impression didn't ring a bell to me you know um maybe i'll have to go back and watch some of these uh tyson chicken commercials because then his kid took over doing those commercials and um yeah i, I just remember them being everywhere in the 90s but that that's hilarious that that little bit of uh character um but so uh steinbrenner agrees to this and says i'll have Stanton on the next bus over on the bus tour uh kramer is at jiffy dump which has the exact <laughs> same logo as jiffy park but with dump instead and the attendant, who is the same guy, right? Oh, I didn't catch that. Is he? I think it's exactly the same guy. I'll write it down for wow. uh, next week, just in case, and see. But yeah, so he tells him, so he won't let him dump the stumps. It's too weird. Where where are the tops? Why is it just the stumps? He won't he won't let him do it. It's just too too weird. And, and Kramer even says it's trash. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, Alex notices Jerry's five o'clock shadow is coming in and uh, Kramer comes back to the bus and says they're extending the tour at no additional charge and no more questions. <laughs> Jesus. Then we have a montage of Kramer being turned down at dumps and driving into the night to find somewhere to uh, trash all of the stumps and falling asleep at the wheel and, and so on. Over at P&G Bar, which is a place we've been before in the Van Buren, actually in kind of an episode having to do with this. The episode where Kramer sells his stories to Peterman, this is where he has his windfall party in the Van Buren Boys, oh. season eight, episode 14. Yeah, so it's interesting that uh, it's another location because and inside it looks like the improv bar. It doesn't even look like the bar that Kramer was having that party at. It, it looks like 
the the improv bar where Jerry hangs out sometimes before shows, and George is there lamenting his his, his horrible life, and the guy from the bag recognizes George and his clothes. <laughs> Uh, over on the bus, Jerry's chest hair has started growing back, and he can't let Alice see him scratch the itch, as he tells Kramer, so he needs uh, this tour to be over, and a full moon is revealed behind a cloud, and it's at that point, at another dump, that Jerry runs out of the bus and scratches and howls, and the audience loved this. It, it had to have been a parody of something, right? Like, I'm thinking American Werewolf in, oh, in yeah. London, I, it, It's right? just the Wolfman. Oh, the, the Wolfman in general. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Because I was thinking... It's the classic Universal yeah. movie, yeah. Yeah, so it wasn't necessarily an American Werewolf in... I always forget what the the original... I think it's American Werewolf in London is the first one. Yeah, okay. That's what... Yeah, I knew it was I knew it was a werewolf thing, but I didn't know if it was a specific thing because the audience was, like, loving this. I mean, it was, like, getting huge yeah. laughs. And, and I didn't really... I mean, the... Oh, yeah, that feels good. I I, I don't know. I, it, it didn't do it for me. <laughs> you didn't like that? Oh, man, I, I thought this was funny. Yeah. I, I like this. I thought the whole thing was funny. But maybe funny. it's because I'm a, I'm a big Universal monster... Guy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I definitely I got the bit and I thought it was funny, but but uh, I don't know. The howl was maybe what pushed me over the edge. It was like nobody would say it like okay, that. Okay, okay. Um, Marianne <laughs> walks into the P and G cafe, and George is in the bathroom on the phone, presumably with Jerry, leaving a message or actually talk to him, talking to him, saying, uh, "I lost my job. Uh, I'm in the men's room in my underpants." And Marianne's like, "See, I told you this city would eat you alive." <laughs> over at uh, and that's pretty much the end of the episode which was a good little um you know well, that, tag that we that's get... that's a credit that's a credit scene it, itself oh that was oh yeah you're right you're right the ep credits come up after jerry's doing his wolfman thing i forgot that yeah so the the that's the end of the episode proper and and i i mentioned that because i liked this tag the epilogue i told you the city i thought that was a better end than the actual final end, which is at Top of the Muffin, where yeah. Elaine You're called, right. You're yeah. right. I was like, that's just, that's funnier than the Newman thing. Um, Elaine called a cleaner. He makes problems go away. And around the corner peels a uh, an Acura that is driven by Newman. Newman gets out of it. And he tells Elaine it's a rental. Um, and this whole thing is a Pulp <laughs> Fiction parody. Did you recognize this? No, I didn't. It's been yeah. so long since I've seen Pulp Fiction and... Even then, I don't think I've seen the whole thing. Oh, it's it's just a brilliant piece of filmmaking. It's one of the best movies uh, ever made, I think. And um, but this is Harvey Keitel's character, the Wolf. I mean, this is and it's like, wasn't wasn't that ninety four? I'm like that. This is now like three years too late for a Pulp Fiction parody, you know? Mm, yeah. Uh, and, and even like so, not like the Wolf in that uh, movie drives uh, an Acura, just like Newman is doing, and he's a cleaner, you know, um, and. Also, he he says something, and I've always loved this line. I, I say this a lot whenever um, it, the the occasion arises. But he even rips off a line: "If I'm curt with you, it's because time is of the essence." Uh, like Harvey Keitel says that in Pulp Fiction, and and Newman says it to Lipman: "If I'm curt with you, I apologize, but time is of the essence." So he he, he you know monkeys with it a little bit, but it's essentially the same thing. That's when I knew I was like. That that was the, the the nail in the coffin. I was like, wait a minute, is this a Pulp yeah. Fiction parody? And then when they use the exact same line, I'm like, okay. And then he he goes to the back to the kitchen, pulls out four quarts of milk, and just starts shoving muffin stumps into his mouth, <laughs> like paper and all. Like he's sort of like squishing them out of the paper, but he's not taking them out of the paper first. And and that's the end of the episode in total. Oh, okay, what do we got for homework this week? I only wrote down 
the Jiffy Park dump uh, slash dump attendant, same guy. So, okay. Yeah. And then, as I mentioned, we'll probably, you know, under trivia and tidbits, talk a little bit about the, the real Kenny Kramer. But um, if not, then, then that'll be homework, too. All right. Uh, what do you like for cover art? <sighs> Tough one. I mean, the bus tour looks pretty good, I, I, I would have to say. Um, I don't know. What are you thinking? Man, I liked uh, the reveal of Jerry shaving his chest uh, yeah. with, the, with the shaving cream on his chest. I liked, uh, I liked the bus tour. I liked uh, Elaine and Littman inside Top of the Muffin to you. There was quite a few things. I mean, you could even do Jerry, you know, finally scratching underneath that tree. That's, that's a pretty well-shot scene. It is, yeah. Very photogenic. I'll make one of those work. Cool. All right. Uh, let's see what we can do about this week's description. So we had Elaine and a former boss join forces in a muffin top business, semicolon. George pretends to be a tourist in order to get a date. Oh, man. I do you would like flip- it? Do you, do you like it? It's okay. I mean, I, I would flip-flop okay. them. I feel like George's is... What do you... You don't like it? I, I feel like it gives away a lot. Because, yeah, I mean, well- I, I don't know. It, uh, I, I guess... Elaine and her former boss join forces in a muffin top business is okay because she eventually does and then like something yeah. else happens. But the muffin top business opens without Elaine knowing about it. Like right. it, yeah. it, it's not like Lippman came to her to start the business. Yeah, they didn't. Yeah, they didn't join forces to open it. They joined forces to keep it running. I would say maybe like Elaine's. What would you call Elaine's? Elaine's new venture. El- Elaine's new venture. El- Elaine's new business idea. Hits a roadblock. Yeah. What about what or what about just like Elaine's new business? Yeah. Either hits a roadblock or faces some sort of uh, faces not uh, production issues, but um, disposal. Elaine's new business fo- faces disposal issues or something like that, or can just hits I, a roadblock be enough? I, I think hits a roadblock is a little better because uh, faces disposal issues gives away the ending. Yeah. Or at least the. At least the, the middle the, when they yeah, first come up, yeah. yeah. The, uh, the ending of the middle. <laughs> and what? So what's the second? The ending of the middle. <laughs> what's the What's the second one again? Uh, George pretends to be a tourist in order to get a date. Uh, yeah, I, I like that. I wish we could also. I, I, yeah, I don't mind that compared to the Elaine one because it because that's that happens pretty early. Yeah, yeah. I wish we could in- include like you know Jerry modifies his body. Uh, for his girlfriend or something like that. And also, you know, Kramer starts a bus tour. I wish we could include, but I don't know. It's already pretty long. What if we What if we did something like Kramer's bus tour? Elaine enlists Kramer's new bus tour to help her business? I mean, I yeah. know that I know that gives away the end, but it's like, oh, okay, now we got two two little things in there. What if, I, don't, okay. I don't mind that, yeah. We could and we could even like well, we did, we can't really include Jerry in that. But we, but we could, you know, because Jerry agrees to help too. But, but I kind of like, yeah, Elaine and Liz Kramer's new bus tour to help her business, and George pretends to be a tourist to get to get a date. Boom! I like it. Yeah, not bad. <laughs> All right. Uh, man. Okay. What did uh, What did you think about this episode before we get into uh, anything else? I got a lot of good laughs out of it. I, I didn't star it, but I, I really enjoyed it. It's like a high baseline episode for me. I, I, I liked it a lot. I got a lot of good laughs out of it. Okay. See, I, I did star it. I ah. I thoroughly enjoyed this. Yeah. I don't know what kept me from starring it. Maybe I just feel like I've, I've given out too many lately or something. Um, <laughs> because I probably could have, but I don't, I don't think I'm going to be scrounging for stars at, at the end. And so 
maybe that's why I was like, yeah, that was good. But I mean, yeah, it was it was so fast moving and yeah, just like really, really funny. And the dialogue was good. It, it was it was definitely a high baseline for me. OK, OK. Uh, all right. Let's get into Newman's mail sack. So this week we actually have uh, two emails uh, in Newman's mail sack. But Tim, one of them is from your college looking for. Uh, a donation they found our podcast email oh my gosh that's amazing (laughs) (laughs) you know what you Uh, know why does the name raymond davis ring any bells to you no but i did see that somebody looked at my linkedin profile this week and it was a guy who (laughs) yeah no raymond davis yeah it was like raymond davis viewed your profile and i was like who is that and i was like oh you went to george mason uh okay and then i looked it up and, and i see that he is associate director of major gifts and i was like barking yeah. up the wrong tree dude <laughs> you see that uh, frame around money <laughs> see that frame around my picture that says open to work <laughs> <laughs> well uh he wants coffee sometimes so that's uh that's oh. something that i can forward to you if you want <laughs> yeah i don't get down to dc very much but uh you know i'll, I'll see what i can do oh, he he's actually still in pittsburgh are you serious well, yeah, send them over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Send me. Okay. Yeah, I'll I'll, fo- I'll forward it to your personal email. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Actually. Anyway, into, network, into the real bitches. into the real Newman's mail sack. Okay. Uh, we got a message from Will Hall. Will Hall says, "Hey guys, I've been listening to the show since you began in 2018. I can't believe it's been three years. Congratulations! I haven't forgot." When you first discussed what to do beyond Seinfeld, you need to do Curb Your Enthusiasm. It's not open for discussion. I love (laughs) Seinfeld. It's my most watched show. But when I started watching Curb, wow. Ted, if you thought some jokes in Seinfeld were a bit over the line, wait till you watch Curb. I think it's the perfect spinoff, a more mature type of Seinfeld with F-words and politically sensitive storylines. I think it would be perfect. I'll even donate to your Patreon. Looking forward to your next episode. Thanks again, Will. Oh, well, that's my all you got to say. <laughs> Will, jeez. Yeah, and you know, I was, I, I was, I was thinking about Curve <laughs> last night because we watched Bolt. Have you ever seen Bolt? That's probably in your age group wheelhouse, right? The, the Disney movie, the animated movie. Yeah, yeah. I, I've seen it once. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, it just seemed like I, I'd never seen it. It's really good. Um, we the family really enjoyed it. We we just randomly picked it. Um last night but Susie Essman who is in Curb Your Enthusiasm does a voice in it and she's just so hilarious on Curb and I was like man Curb might be a better sitcom than like I was thinking this while you know (laughs) kids movies don't take that much uh you know brain power so I was like is I was like is it sacrilege to say that Curb is a better sitcom than Seinfeld you know I was really uh mulling this over just because of you know what they were able to do being on HBO, and I was like, why wasn't it more popular? I guess because it was on a pay channel, and you can't you know show those in syndication and, and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, I was uh, I was just thinking about it last night, and how I was like, is it funnier? It might be funnier than Seinfeld, but also it's perfect because <laughs> like I didn't remember a lot of the culturally sensitive stuff from Seinfeld because I hadn't considered it in such a long time. But this is you know this podcast given me a chance to do that again, and you a chance mm-hmm. to do this for the first time, and so I would be shocked. I would I would really love to know what he's talking about because i don't remember anything that's like oh boy that's touchy or that's not pc or whatever yeah i'm sure uh when did curb start like oh seven oh eight um i want to say sooner than that i want to say it was like 2003 or 2004 because i was still in, oh like, wow living so up yeah in, so yeah. so you can get a bunch of george bush jokes you can get you can get some 9-11 jokes in there 
Yeah, two thousand. You can get Carlos Mencia jokes in there. <laughs> Probably even a Carlos Mencia appearance. Right. Oh no. Who <laughs> boy. Yeah, and we have the potential if we do that to catch up because it's still technically it's in still production. Going. Yeah, even yeah. though there's ten seasons and a hundred episodes, it uh, yeah, it's not technically. You know, Larry always says it's gone, but yeah. Do Do you think that they'll end it in the next two years? I have no. He always says like this new season is he's not going to do another one, and then he always ends up doing one. So because um, they just offer him way too much money, probably, or he just comes up <laughs> with such a great idea, you know. Yeah. But in June of 2020, the series was renewed for an 11th season. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's that's definitely uh, an idea. Yeah, it's on our radar. Oh man! All right. Well, Will, thank you so much. Uh, let me know. Yeah. Uh, let me know what your mailing address is. I'll. I'll, I'll but before the time you listen to this, I will email you back. But get me your mailing address. We'll send you out a No Hugging, No Learning sticker. Okay, well, zip Newman's mail sack back up. So we got a zoop. I feel weird doing the zip and the <laughs> zoop now that Bill Cosby's out of jail. Uh. <laughs> Is that weird? <laughs> I don't think anyone noticed. <laughs> well, now they will, but I'll yeah. probably cut this out. Mm. Okay. <laughs> So next week, we've got Season 8, Episode 22, the Season 8 finale. Whoa. Original air date, May 15th, 1997, The Summer of George. That's a big one. I mean, just that title right there. And it, yeah. And if you're looking at TV Guide that night, you are going to see, after getting fired from the Yankees, George uses his free time to help Jerry with a demanding girlfriend, period, full stop. Kramer accidentally wins a Tony Award while Elaine is accused of being mean by her coworkers. Wow. A lot going on. I don't think it could tell us more. (laughs) (laughs) I know. Just read the whole script. I've I've never seen the episode, and I know exactly what happens. Yeah, it gives away a little. I think we'll be able to make that better, but we'll see next week. I I think it's going to be a good one. There's a lot of great stuff just in in the little bit that you mentioned. Um, So uh, we'll see if this episode holds up to memory. And is that it? Yeah, I think that's it. All right. For No Hugging, No Learning, I'm Tim Murphy. I'm Ted Hollowell. Be good. Be good.